Good morning, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, federal employees. Welcome back to this Q&A episode where I answer your questions that you have about your federal retirement, federal benefits, about investing, taxes, and anything else in between when it comes to your you retiring comfortable and confident. If you're new here, my name is Dallin Haas, a financial planner serving you guys as federal employees, helping you guys retire comfortable and confident. Again, we have three incredible questions today. If you have any specific questions about your federal retirement, there's a link below to actually submit that through my website. And then we pick the best ones that we like to share with the community and to help everyone get better and learn and go from there. So we're going to dive right in and start with question number one. So question number one, they say, hey, I just retired and I want to make sure that my annuity slash pension, right? Same thing. Those, those two words are kind of used interchangeably. Annuity or pension is correct because my calculations don't match the results from OPM. I calculated, I calculated my pension to be $3,450 per month before tax or deductions. However, they calculated it to come out to about $3,100. So that's, you know, about $350 less per month. I don't know if there's some secret thing that I do not know or if I should challenge this amount. And on top of that, it took them a whole year to come up with this amount. Okay, so this is a great question. Great, great question. Because honestly, when you guys retire and actually start getting pensions, this may happen to you or when you get pension estimates from your HR, which most of you should be doing if you're getting close within five years of retirement, you definitely want to be getting an estimate from your HR. Say, hey, what is an estimate for my pension? And they could start running numbers for you. Now, it's not always gonna match what you come up with and you want to make sure you figure out why before you retire. It's way easier to fix things before you retire than after. Now, without knowing more about your situation, the specific situation of the person that has submitted that question, I have no clue who's right. I have no clue if they're right. I have no clue if OPM is right. But I'm going to share five questions that you need to really think through to, to figure it out. Okay, so we're going to start here. So question number one is how many years of service are they assuming? Right, and whenever you get an estimate from your HR, they're going to gen. It's generally a line item that says, "Hey, this is how many years and months of service we are assuming." Now, you have to remember when calculating your pension, they only do full years and full months, and they drop off whatever days are remaining. So, for example, let's say you have 20 years of service, six months, and 10 days. Well, that extra 10 days is going to drop off, and you're only going to get credit for the. 20 years and six months. So you have to remember that. So the first thing is how many years of service do they show you have? And is that accurate? It does that match what you show, right? Does that match your records? Do they have all the records they need? That's number one. You have to understand that. Next, what are they using for your high three? Now, if you're unfamiliar with what your high three is, your high three is a big element of your pension to calculate that. So what your high three is, is your average salary in the last three years, or not the last three years, but the 36 consecutive months that you get paid the most. For most of you, you get paid the most at the end of your career, so generally it's the last 36 months of your, um, of your career. Now, what you want to make sure, you want to double check that the high three they're using is the same that matches what you show, right? If you do some rough math and say, hey, in the, you know, the last, 36 consecutive months, my average salary was 100 grand a year. 
Well, is that what they're showing for your high three? If it's not, figure out what they're showing and figure out how they did that math, right? You want to make sure that everything is matching up. So that's the second one. Number three, if you retire with what they call an MRA plus 10 retirement, then if you retire before, of course, 62, your pension is going to be reduced, right? So maybe that may be the issue for this person is, hey, they retired with an MRA plus 10 retirement and they didn't realize that they, they could get a pension reduction depending on their age and their years of service, right? So check that out. If you don't know what an MRA plus 10 retirement is, there'll be a link below in the description to check out and get more information there. Next, do you have any part-time service? If you have any part-time service, then that certainly can decrease what your pension would be. So maybe if you didn't know about that, maybe they calculated that into your pension and maybe you did it in yours. I'm not sure. Definitely check that out for you. Next, so because your number and their number was about $350 different from each other, one thing that they could be pushing in there already was survivor benefits because it was just about 10% less um, their number than your number. So for those that don't know, survivor benefits, survivor benefits are basically a deduction that comes out of your pension that provides your spouse a piece of your pension if you were to pass away. And that comes straight out of your pension. So you have to understand, okay, that, that comes out before you even see the money. And other things come out as well, like taxes, if you're paying for health insurance or life insurance or dental and vision, all those things come out before you get an actual net number. So you want to make sure you're calculating all that stuff in. Even if your agency doesn't on their estimate, you want to make sure it's all in there that you're going to need in retirement. Okay. So that is question number one. I know that's a big one, but th these core things are crucial to make sure you get the pension that you deserve and that you have worked so hard to earn over your career. So let's jump right on to question number two. So question number two, they say, currently my investment portfolio is 60% stocks and, or sorry, not 60, 90% stocks and 10% bonds. However, I am concerned about inflation and the market. What are your thoughts about going into the G fund for all of my TSP investments? My TSP comprises about 30% of all my investments. So that, so this would mean that I would be 70% in stocks and 30% G fund overall. Okay, so what they're saying here, let's just make a little thing. They're saying, hey, 70% of my investments are outside of the TSP, whether it's in, you know, old 401k, an IRA, brokerage account, whatever, and then 30% of their investments is in the TSP. Okay, so let's, I'm glad we just had to clarify that. Okay, um, next, they say, I know that the G fund is currently only growing at about 1%. But I also know that it will not lose money over time, whereas investing in bonds means you could lose some of your principal. This way, I would feel more settled because I know that a large chunk of my money would be safe from the stock market. I'm currently only 59 and will not need to tap into my TSP for the next 10 years. Okay. So th this is a great question and I get forms of this question all the time is basically how should you be investing? That makes sense for you. And I totally, I totally understand what you're, what you're feeling, right? Cause you've worked so hard over your career. You saved this nest egg and you want to make sure it's safe when you need it in retirement, right? Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. So there's a few things you want to keep in mind. Whenever we're talking about investments and risk, there's a couple different types of risk, right? So basically what this federal employee is asking is, hey, 
should I take you know about 30% of my money and stick it into the G fund, right? And that may make sense for them, I'm not sure. There's other factors that come into play. But here is something very, very crucial to understand, is that especially, especially in 2021, inflation was a big deal. If I had to guess, for the next few years, it's going to be a big deal. And so, yeah, let's say that the G fund earned 1%, well, inflation was 6%. So if your money was in the G fund, well, oh, you know, beyond inflation, you lost money. You lost money because your money didn't grow and the prices went up, right? So the dollar amount stayed the same, but your buying power, you lost buying power over time. So over time, the G fund is going to grow just a little bit. Over time, it's gonna grow just a little bit. But we know that inflation prices are going to grow probably a little faster than that over time, right? Now, if you invest in the stock market, is it going to be more volatile? Yes, 100%. So over time, it's going to be, it's going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. But over a long period of time, 20, 30, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, over time, the market is going to do better. It is simply going to do better. And that's what's going to allow you to maintain your standard of living over time is because you're getting growth beyond what inflation is doing, beyond that. So again, for this specific federal employee, I'm not sure how they should be investing. I'm not sure if 30% is okay in the G fund, right? And I know they were talking about the G fund versus bonds. And honestly, the G fund is a fine replacement for bonds in the current market environment. That's, that's probably a fine thing to do, right? But you just want to make sure. And like they said, they weren't planning to need their TSP for 10 years, right? So for 10 years, they're going to only get growth in the G fund. And, and that could be a big, big hit over 10 years. That's a long time, right? So you just want to be careful. All I'm saying is think it through and there's risk for being too conservative as well as being too aggressive. You want to find a balance that makes sense for you, that makes sense for when you're going to be needing the money. So that's crucial, 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 crucial. Okay, question number three, last question here. They say, hello, I am eligible to retire with FERS at 62 in May 2023, so just a year and a half-ish away, congrats. But I am due for a within-grade pay increase in July 2023. And is there an advantage to waiting to retire until after that step increase? Thank you for your help. Okay, great, great question. So there's really two things you should know when thinking about this decision, because honestly, um, most of you are going to deal with this decision to some degree, right? Whether it is a across the board pay increase that happens in January, right? Um, you may think about maybe sticking around for that, maybe, you know, a step increase, whatever increase that may be coming your way, it may make you think, hey, should I work a little longer to get some of that before I hang it up, right? That's a great question. And when it comes to your retirement, there are two things that come into play, okay? Now, and we also we already mentioned this so far in this video, but your high three is a big one that it might affect. So basically your high three affects your pension. And your high three, again, is the, your average annual salary in the three years you got paid the most. So for most of you, that's gonna be the last three years. So let's do like a, an exaggerated example so that this kind of sinks home, okay? So for example, let's say in the last three years of your career, when you got paid the most, let's say, let's say, your your pay changed dramatically. Let's say in year one, let's say you got paid 50K, $50,000, okay? In year two, let's say you got paid $100,000, okay? And then in year three, let's say you got paid 150, 
okay? So what's your height rate? Well, they average all those out based on how long you were paid that, right? So in this simple example, well, your height three would be 100 grand, right? And they average it out over those 36 months, right? So if you, let's say, had a step increase in July and then retired the next month, well, your height three really isn't going to increase very much because you only had a month worth of that salary. And that's gonna be averaged with the other 35 months um, in your high three, in the 36 consecutive months you got paid the most, right? So for your pension, your pension's not really gonna be affected much if you work until that step increase. It's not gonna be a big deal. Now, if it's a massive increase, you may wanna consider working longer if that's even an option for you. It depends on your situation a lot, but it's something to consider. So really, again, not gonna make a big deal. Now. Um, a different thing that may make a little bigger of a difference in the short term is your annual leave. Okay, so many of you know, and I've talked about this many, many times in other videos, but basically if you have any annual leave on the books when you retire, you get paid a lump sum for that, right? And the lump sum is gonna be equal to what you would have been paid if you would have continued working and basically would have used up all that time for your annual leave, right? So for example, if you, could retire, let's say in January, right? Let's say you could retire in January, um, but you may get a step increase in March. This is just a random example, okay? If you got two months worth of annual leave um, and you'd end up waiting until March to get that step increase, right? Well, that annual leave is gonna be paid out at that higher rate of that step increase, a step increase, right? If you retire in January, well, that two months isn't gonna get you to that to that uh, step increase. If you just retired in January and they you got paid out for annual leave then. So it could make a difference depending on what kind of pay increase there's gonna be, right? And how much annual leave you have. And the higher those two things are, the more of an impact this is gonna, gonna make. But again, it's not gonna be a massive impact, but it may be a small one. So it's something to look into, but again, not the end of the world. So I hope this information has been helpful. Those are the three questions for today. Again, if you have any specific questions for you, there's a link below to submit that. And again, in all the descriptions on the YouTube channel, I try to put as much relevant articles and helpful information for you guys to be set up for success in retirement. And I, again, I hope this is helpful. Have an incredible rest of your day. We'll, t we'll see you next time.